Welcome to another edition of Waiting for Next Year's Cavs Cast, part of the Evergreen Podcast Network. This is your host, Seth, going solo tonight for the first time in a while. And with no guest, with a little bit of that freedom, I'm going to change it up and start off with Cavs Cast. Got that title for a reason. But I was at the game on a couple of buddies, and that catch by David Njoku was the best catch I've seen in that stadium uh, since I've been a season ticket holder. It's the best catch that I can remember throughout the years. And thinking about that game and thinking about the tumultuous start of the Brown season, just so happy for Jacoby Brissett, for David Njoku, honestly, just so happy for all the fans. It's It's been you know, pretty much a shit sandwich ever since that loss to the New York Jets and for the fans that were in attendance, for people who were still watching on TV. You know, I, I applaud um, the team for sticking together. And again, just felt so happy for Jacoby Brissett. He's played his absolute butt off this season, dealt with stuff that, frankly, uh, you know, an athlete shouldn't really have to deal with this year. And for him to come down and hit a game-tying drive with, what was it, under a minute to go, and come back out and have a chance to drive his team down the field, you know, capped off with a Nick Chubb run. I'm just so happy for Jacoby Brissett. And no matter where Jacoby's at next year, if he's, you know, somehow if he's a backup in Cleveland, which I think he surpassed that, if he goes out and hopefully has a chance to start for another team next year, I'm just so happy for him. He brought such a sense of calm and um, just leadership. I don't know the last time the Browns had true leadership like that, like Jacoby Brissett displayed this year. And again, just so happy for him. So we're going to switch over to Cavs, but I had to, had to give a few remarks about the Browns and at four and seven. And man, that was a pretty cool one uh, serving up, uh, you know, Tom first ever loss in that fashion up seven points under two minutes. Uh, just an awesome game, and again, just happy for the fans and happy for Jacoby Brissett and the way that they that they went out and really stole that game down the stretch. Uh, before we get into the Cavs tonight, I do want to give a word from our sponsor. We've got a great deal with Underdog Fantasy. So for first-time depositors, enter in the code WFNY at checkout, and Underdog will match your deposit up to $100. Underdog is a great platform if you're tired of the DFS salary system. There are tons of game types and drafts every single night. Don't forget, use WFNY at checkout to get your first-time deposit matched up to $100. Now on to the 13-8 Cleveland Cavaliers, who are still the number three seed in the Eastern Conference, only behind Milwaukee Bucks and the Boston Celtics. Cavaliers are coming off uh, a game last night in which they lost to the Toronto Raptors 88-100. to uh, it was never close. It, it was the Cavs' worst offensive performance of the entire season. They shot 38% from the field. They were 18% from three, seven of 38. So they got the threes up, but, man, they they clanked them all. It was a tough matchup, right? Third game in four nights. It was their sixth game in nine nights. They've had two back-to-backs over a nine-night period, which is just kind of brutal from a scheduling perspective. 
Uh, last night, they only had two guys scoring double figures. Darius Garland had 18 points, 10 assists. Evan Mobley had 18 points, 15 rebounds. Two guys in double figures, and that's it. Everyone else to, to single digits. Isaac Okoro, one for 11 from the field. Dean Wade, three of 10. Donovan Mitchell, three of 11, probably his worst game of the season. Karis Levert, two of nine. And outside of Darius Garland, Donovan Mitchell, and Evan Mobley, it feels like the Cavs are searching a little bit right now, right? You don't know where the other points are coming from. And a lot of the contributors, guys who you'd consider in the top eight or nine of the rotation, you know, they're a little bit off. Um, Osman is a little bit off right now. Dean Wade's a little bit off as he gets back from a from a pretty nasty sounding leg infection injury bench from roll. So, you know, they're, they're really battling into where they're going to get some of that production from. And, you know, outside of, again, Gar Mitchell and Mobley, you know, without love who provides so much to that second unit, who's their best three point shooter on the team, who is really a glue guy, you know, they're, they're really struggling to to figure out where to score at the moment if, you know, Donovan or Darius don't go off. And, and speaking of injuries and speaking of Kevin Love, you know, last night they were also without Lamar Stevens. They were also without Jared Allen, who hurt his back in a, a collision against the Milwaukee Bucks really early in the game in the first quarter. And I think Jared Allen is – so underappreciated. I think most Cavs fans know how much he brings to the team. Um, but the general NBA, you know, Jared Allen is is one of the best shot blockers in the league. Jared Allen is the Cavs' best screener uh, on the entire team. And maybe most importantly, uh, something else Jared Allen does that no one else in the Cavs can do is really unlocks, fully unlocks Evan Mobley. So the way the Cavaliers love to play defense, right, it's Jared Allen protecting the paint, and that allows Evan Mobley to play that free safety role where he can just roam. And if you're a guard or, or even a wing going into the paint, you know, one, you've got Jared Allen to contend with at the rim, and two, you've got a trailing or, uh, you, you know, a mobile Evan Mobley coming over to contest, uh, if not block or alter your shot. And so – you know, that's one of the things I wanted to highlight tonight is just how much Jared Allen does for this team and, and him being out. Um, you know, it's really painful. We, we saw that last season um, down the stretch. The Cavs really struggled uh, to win without Jared Allen. He doesn't put up the most points, the most numbers. His efficiency is a little bit down this year, but there's no argument to me for you know, Jared Allen being a, a top two or three impactful guy on this team, both offensively and defensively. He brings so much, and the Cavs have really built their identity around having him paired next to Mobley. And without Jared Allen, it, it's just – it's tough. So, you know, any game in the NBA, we all see it. There's so much parity this year. Tons of teams are, are right around 500, just above 500. Um, it's tough to win without one of your key guys, and, and Jared Allen is exactly that. Unfortunately, it, it was just ruled about an hour ago. You know, he's going to be out um, tomorrow night's game against the Philadelphia 76ers, and, and Joel Embiid just came back. So, again, that's it's going to be a tough game. And, you know, 
throughout an NBA season, there, there's always injuries and, and things teams have to deal with. Well, this is one of those things, you know, the Cavs have to figure out what's the, the best pairing to play um, when they don't have, you know, Jared Allen and, and what buttons can they push? What buttons can JB push to, to try to maximize the group? Uh, it really changes their identity and it's something they're, they're going to have to, uh, you know, figure out on the fly here. Um, really hasn't been too much reporting about when Jared Allen is going to come back. Um, sounds like it was just a contusion, hopefully a bruise, but really no, no new news yet. And the fact that he was already ruled out for tomorrow, uh, is definitely something that, you know, I think the Cavs, um, We'll have to keep their eye out on. Greetings from Evergreen Podcasts. We're rolling out a listener survey and we want to hear from you. The information in the survey will help us gather statistics and in turn make our shows more appealing to advertisers. I know most people don't like ads, but this is one of the only ways our shows make money and help keep their lights on. We promise it will only take a few minutes, but the impact on our podcasts will be tremendous. As a token of our appreciation, we'll randomly select one lucky participant each month to win an exclusive merchandise package from Evergreen Podcasts. Head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show. Outside of the injuries and kind of some up and down play over the last couple of weeks, you know, I wanted to talk tonight about the starting small forward role. So before the season, you know, Evan Damerel and I talked a lot about, you know, who's going to start at this starting small forward position. Um, could it be a bit of a whack-a-mole throughout the year? And I think we've seen it be exactly that. No one on the current team has really gone out and kind of dominated and taken on that role. Uh, Karis Levert, you know, got a chance at the beginning of the season. He, he's since been kind of relegated to the bench. Um, he's really struggling this year, to be frank. Uh, he's 35% um, from the two-point area. He actually has a higher three-point percentage, percentage shot from three than he does from two. He's shooting 37% from three, 35% from two. And, you know, the, the fit is tough for Karras, right? He's the kind of guy, he needs the ball in his hands. That's how he gets his rhythm, having reps at the pick and roll, you know, with the guy like Jared Allen really helps Karis LeVert out. And the way that JB deploys uh, Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell, there's always one of those players on the court. And so Karis is never really the number one guy who's initiating offense. It, it's always one of the, the two guards. Um, and so that's what, that's what makes it very tough. I think for Karis this year is, you know, he's not the kind of guy that you go tell to to guard the, the opposing team's best wing and go space the floor and stand up at the three-point line. That's that's not his game. It's not been his game. Um, I respect, you know, what he's tried to do. He's he's been a good playmaker this year. He's been he's been rebounding the ball better than he ever has. He's really tried to mold himself into what the Cavs need at the starting three, which is uh, a defensive type player who can knock down and space the floor. Again, that that's just not what you know, Karis LeVert brings on a night-to-night basis. He had his huge uh, performance in Boston where he, he scored 41 points along with Donovan Mitchell. But, you know, outside of that, you know, he's, he's really struggled. His last, you know, four or five games he scored in single single figures. And as he gets downhill and into the paint, he's just really struggling to to finish. Um, his his two-point shot has, has really lost him. And, you know, it's, it's tough. It's a contract year for Karis. 
um, they need some things to go right with him if if they want to you know think about having him around and uh, you know I, I hope to see him rebound a bit. Um, I do agree that having him come off the bench is the best case scenario for him. Um, and, you know, we'll see what, what they continue to do at the three. I think, you know, Dean Wade is a guy who they've played at the three. He's coming back from a pretty nasty, you know, leg infection. So he, he's had a tough couple of games. Lamar Stevens is another guy that they've, uh, that they've put out there. But of course, Lamar is not a really the three point threat that, that Stevens is. Uh, Okoro is, is another guy who, you know, who has struggled with the shot this year. So, you know, I think if you asked Cavaliers fans one thing before the start of the season, um, you know, what could be the Achilles heel or what could be, uh, you know, an area that Cavs really need to solidify, it's the starting small forward role. And, and they're, you know, they're still trying to find it, I think. Um, you know, we'll see. Hopefully there's some st- stability, um, you know, with the core key pieces and, and what, um, you know, those, those players that can be available for the starting role be it Dean Wade, Isaac Okoro, Lamar Stevens, et cetera. Uh, but they need some stability there. there. There's no question about it. The next piece, and this dives right throughout the, you know, the starting small forward role is the inability to find great trends this year. You know, last year, outside of the, you know, there was a couple of jarring injuries, right, last year. Colin Sexton was a jarring injury. Ricky Rubio was a jarring injury. They were the injuries last year were almost more not almost more they were more finite, right? Guys that were out were out for extended stretches, and then guys kind of came up and you know and filled that void or took that spot up. You know this year it's been a little bit more uh, up and down. Guys are out for a few games here, a few games there, and so you know as you go out and look at the different lineup data for this Cavaliers team, you know there's there's mainly three kind of call it core rotations that have gotten the most possessions this year. Um, the first being Darius Garland, Donovan Mitchell, Karis LeVert, Evan Mobley, and Jared Allen. So their initial starting five lineup. Well, those five players together actually have a negative 4.3 a point differential. Same with Garland, Mitchell, Stevens, Mobley, and Allen. Again, negative 4.8 point differential where they really saw some, you know, some hot shooting early on uh, this season was when Donovan Mitchell was carrying the load, uh, Karras at the two, Wade at the three, Mobley at the four, Allen at the five, where their point differential was a 24.5, but very small sample size, only 105 possessions. So, you know, all that to say, you know, to me that just kind of hits home the question of, you know, that they need to solidify this starting lineup. They need to figure out what works, and it's been tough for them because there's been so many kind of ups and downs uh, in terms of availability, um, and I don't think they've they've kind of gotten into that groove yet. So you know, more to come on, on the lineup data. That's the one point I wanted to hit on tonight. Was it's it's frustrating, um, you know, not being able to really dig in and see much on the trend side because there have been so much whack a mole guys in and out of the lineup. Um, and frankly, you would you would think that the lineup of of Garland, Mitchell, Levert, Mobley, and Allen. Uh, or even Stevens or Wade now and would, would have performed a, a bit better to date. But if you think about what really carried the Cavaliers early on this season was their bench. Like Kevin Love had had one of the highest plus minuses, um, you know, of the entire NBA. He was top five for, for most of the year before he got, um, you know, he got banged up with his thumb injury. Um, the bench unit really, 
you know, kind of came out and, and, and took them home on some of those games. Um, so it's, it's interesting to see, you know, what's going to transpire there in the starting lineup and, and what the best, you know, data is uh, moving forward. If I take a look at, you know, the, the week ahead, uh, the Cavs have some very interesting, you know, matchups. They've finally got some favorability in their schedule, I'll say. Uh, they've got five of the next six games are at home, including a, a TNT game on December 6th versus the Lakers. Um, for this week, they've got a really big matchup against the 76ers, who currently sit at the number five seed at 12 and nine. Again, the Cavs are in the three seed at 13 and eight. Uh, Joel Embiid is back, and he played pretty pretty damn well last game, so I'm assuming he's going to be back. Again, Jared Allen is out, so it's going to be interesting to see how they're going to attack or really how Embiid is going to attack the Cavaliers down low um, and if they'll consider putting Mobley on him or, you know, starting big with perhaps like a Lopez or Diakite to, um, you know, to try to combat um, the size of Embiid. Uh, after Wednesday, they have a home game versus Orlando. Then they travel on Sunday to take on the New York Knicks. Uh, but like I said, five of the next six are at home and, you know, the schedule definitely eases up a bit as they get a little bit uh, onward to December. Uh, and move forward from there. We talked about it on here early on. You know, the Cavs have one of the more favorable schedules in terms of the advantage, in terms of rest, you know, versus their opposing team. Uh, so that that really is is what transpires, you know, throughout the next couple of months, where you know it, it proves out that they have solid uh, they have a solid advantage of of maybe they're playing the team on on the back to back, or they're playing the team with only one day's rest when they have two. That's something to, you know, we'll, we'll be sure to keep our eyes out for and, and see maybe how some of the schedule normalizes itself. Um, but but in general, you know, a couple of the key really thoughts, takeaways from tonight is, you know, it's it's been a tough stretch, right? It's um, they're, they're searching, I think. Right now they're, they're searching for some offense. Um, you really don't want to count on Darius Garland, Donovan Mitchell, Evan Mobley every single night to score 70, 75 points, right? you need some of those other contributors. So whether it's love getting back, uh, whether it's Dean Wade, um, you know, kind of getting back in shape and, and helping you out, whether it's Osman helping you out, you know, they're, they're, they're begging for a couple of those guys to really step up and, and starting to hit some shots. You know, it's been tough the past couple of weeks. Uh, but I will say 13 and eight, you know, with all the different lineup changes that they've had uh, with some of the injuries that, that they've had uh, still being a three seed in the East, you know, there, there's been some negativity, um, you know, around the team and around some of their woes as of late. But it's, it's a pretty great spot to be a number three in the East. Things haven't gone perfect for you, um, you know, the past couple of weeks. And hey, 13 and eight, they're they're on a great trajectory, you know, winning 62 percent of their games. Um, you know, I, th I think it's at this point, it's really all about, you know, who kind of takes over that starting small forward role and and who can really excel. Um, in that around, you know, the core four players of of Garland, uh, Mitchell, Mobley, and Allen. Uh, well, that was it, a nice short one for me tonight. I just wanted to touch base, and without a guest, uh, just wanted to come on for a couple minutes and, and talk about it. Um, you know, in closing, you know, thank you all for listening. Um, have a great night, and we'll be back next week. Thank you. Don't you know that you're a grown-up?
I'm a grown-up. Me too. Yep, me too. But you know, these days, being a grown-up can really suck. Luckily, we're grown-ups who grew up in the coolest generation. We had video arcades. And also some of the best TV and movies ever made. We lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics. The list goes on and on. Yep, Generation X. Exactly. And we're Gen X Grown-Up. Every week, the Gen X Grown-Up podcast explores media, tech, toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website, genxgrownup.com. Alright, you think that was good enough? I I hope so, man. I'm tired. (laughs) (laughs) Who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? Right. (laughs) I've never done it. (laughs) Right.